Glory! Well, this is day 10. Uh, a new week with great expectations for what the Spirit of God is going to do. I'm excited. Yesterday, we had a service for day 9 uh, in church. We did not record that live, but I believe you can find it on our Holy Spirit's Tabernacle platforms and on our website. Day 10. By the time we get to week 3 and 4, the Spirit of God said to me that you will begin to experience financial and money miracles. And I thought I should communicate that with you to liven your expectations because there's going to be a move of the Spirit of God in that area. Hallelujah. So we're going to see miracles in the financial dimension of all kinds. Of all kinds. As I teach the Word of God, the power of God to prosper, the power of the Spirit of God to execute these miraculous works will be present. They will be present. In the same way we've experienced the healing stream of the Spirit of God, that same power for financial miracles is going to take place. And here, I'm not just talking about, please uh, lower my monitor please I'm not just talking about a little bit up yeah I'm not just talking about a little sign I'm talking about mega testimonies <laughs> mega testimonies in the financial realm mega testimony what we discussed on on Friday was actually triggered this unction of the Spirit of God and we will see testimonies in that arena my God my God the Bible tells us that the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short and I believe the Spirit of God is getting ready to move in a mighty way the Bible says that the Spirit of God, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Spirit of God hovered, moved, brooded, incubated upon the face of the deep. And this is what the Spirit of God has been doing 
in this conference. He has been incubating, waiting for the rhema of God to be released. And that rhema of God is or has been coming and is still coming and it's still going to come. And I would ask you to open your spirits to the rhema word of God. Because that rhema is a sword. Is a sword. And there's a work of the Spirit of God that's taking place. Hallelujah. 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 Well, are you excited? Are you excited? I hope you are. I hope you are because the Spirit of God is with us to make us good. You know, the Bible says, and God saw that everything he had made was very good. And this will be the testimony in your life. Glory to God. I'm thinking, do I go where I intend to go or do I start somewhere else first? Let's gather some fuel, all right? Let's gather some fuel. Um, let's look at something in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke. He says, at various times and in various ways he spoke. This means there's more than one way which God speaks. He can speak in silence as loud as he'd speak audibly. So the ways of the communication of God is varied. What really matters is your ability to discern what God is saying. So the Bible says, He spoke at various times. That means that God does not always talk. That God is not up there mumbling words, mumbling speeches. Even the Bible tells us there are times when there is silence in heaven. So, he spoke at various times. He spoke in various ways to the fathers by the prophets. The Bible tells us that God's modus operandi of speaking 
irrespective of whichever way, was through the prophets. That in times past, the system of transmitting his voice was through the prophets. So man could only hear God's voice through the prophets. So the absence of a prophet meant that God could not be heard. So it was the ministry of the prophet that was the microphone of God to civilization. And this means that Adam had to be a prophet. So the first ministry that is described and descriptive in the Bible was the ministry of the prophet. Because God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. So he says, he, he spake by the prophets. Verse 2 says, has in these last days, so God has shifted his way of communication. So he still speaks at various times. He still speaks in various ways, but he has changed the model. He has changed the vehicle, the system of communication. So he had spoken in times past through the system of prophets. But in the last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So that means his son is a ministry. Jesus did not carry out or just carry out a ministry in the earth. He was himself a ministry. A ministry of God's communication. So Jesus, the son, was God's mouth. Because God speaks to us. He spoke to them, but today he speaks to us through his son. So Jesus is a ministry. The son is a, rather, let me not even say Jesus. Let me say the son is a ministry. He is the ministry of God's speaking. So now the prophets are subject to the son. So there are still multidimensional ways of God's communication, but it is all filtered through the Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So the Son in the last days is a ministry. Jesus is a ministry. 
He is a ministry. He is the system through which God communicates. So God is talking to us today by the Son. Through his son. Hallelujah. 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 I, I hope you can hear what I'm endeavoring to communicate to you. That the son is a ministry. Focus, please. That the son is a ministry. So, he is the ministry of God's communication. Now, by definition, the Son is not only referring to Jesus. The Son is not only Christ. Can I show you? Amen. Let's finish reading this, then I'll show you. As in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. So the Son through whom God speaks upholds all things. By the word of his power. So the son has power. The son through whom God speaks is carrying out a ministry of power. And he's carrying out that ministry through the word who he is. And I, says, I said to you, Jesus is not by definition the son of of God. Because he is incomplete in the presence of God without his body. So by definition, the son does not only refer to Jesus. The son must include a part or the part of Jesus that fulfills him. So the body of Christ is the fulfillment of Jesus. Is the perfecter of Jesus. So the Son, by definition, is Jesus and the church. I need to show this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I would like to open up mysteries of the reality of the word of God to you so we understand 
how to work effectively in the kingdom. You see, you need mysteries. You cannot advance. The body of Christ cannot advance in the kingdom without mysteries. That is one of the ministries of the apostles and prophets. It's the disclosure of mysteries. They have been given the responsibility of disclosing the mysteries which God hid before the ages began. And these mysteries are necessary. That's why one of the ministries of Paul was uh, an enigma to the apostles of his time. Because Paul went into mysteries in God and he delivered it to his generation. And it is by those mysteries that the foundation of the church, the foundation of the building and the stature of the church is founded on. So mysteries are necessary for the building of the church, the building of the body. The structure, the temple of God is built by mysteries. The Bible says God has given and has appointed the holy apostles and prophets to disclose these mysteries in the end times. So there are realities that the church of Jesus must discover in order for them to advance and enter into deeper spheres in God and of the operation of the power of God. He says, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. The knowledge is a mystery. A revelation, an apocalypto of that which is hidden. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So I, I want to show you this. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Now. Now. You are. So Jesus in his fullness is a head. You see, Jesus... Can I show it to you? Amen. Okay. Go, go to Matthew. This is something that I wanted to share with you probably by week three. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. M Matthew 26. What's that, sir? Switch it off. Matthew 26. Let's read verse 26. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take it. This is my body. So they were eating. And then he took 
a piece of bread and he began to break it and give thanks. Remember the conversion power of the word of God. So when he gave thanks, effectively the bread became his body. So he said, take, eat. This is my body. So there is a way to feed. Okay, let's go to John. You are pulling out things I did not intend to release at this time. All right. Verse 52, John chapter 6. Verse 51. Let's read from verse 51. Okay, no. Let's read verse 47. John 6. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. He who believes on me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread. You see, Jesus was introducing to this generation immortality. And he was telling them that I am the key to immortality. The immortalization of the body came through the belief of Jesus Christ. So he says, the one who believes in me has, not going to, has now in this life, eternal life. So the man who believes in Jesus would undergo a process of immortalization from spirit, soul, and body. So he says, belief in Jesus give, gives you entry into the immortality of God. So he says, you see, G, uh, okay. So he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. If anyone eats, anyone, if he eats from this bread, he will live forever. Question, is this referring to physical immortality or spiritual immortality? Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus alive? Will Jesus ever die? Remember, he only died three days. This means that by design, Jesus, his body was immortal. The body of Christ was not of this creation. It says, a body thou had prepared for me, a tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation. So the body of Christ was not of, was not of this creation. So what Moses saw in the celestial is actually Jesus. 
So, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh. Remember, he says the bread that I shall give. Not I am giving. So he was referencing a point in time where he will be distributing or giving this bread. He says, when I give this bread, he says, know that the bread that I give is my flesh. Which I shall give for the life of the world. So he would exchange the temporary mortal life of the world. He will take it upon himself and he will give the bread that makes a man eternal, immortal. Verse 53, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, remember he said the flesh is the bread. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So let's go back. Because my flesh is food indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood. He says he does what? He abides in me. He what? So when Jesus said, abide in me, what was he saying? Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. The, the, the bread which I shall give, remember, he says, and I in him, as the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So he who feeds on me, will live because of me. So that means the life of a Christian is as sustaining as the life that is in Jesus. So that means a Christian, by the will of God, is supposed to live as long as Jesus because he has in him the life of Jesus. So the bread that he gives, the blood that he gives, so the sacrament that he, he gave, he did, he enacted, was actually a transfusion of life. Matthew 26, let's go back there. So while they were eating, he took bread. He what? The bread that I shall give is my flesh. And broke it and gave the disciples. He says, take, eat. So for the first time, we are seeing this thing enacted. The eating of the flesh of Jesus. The drinking of the blood of Jesus. So he says, take it. This is my body. This is my body. So he gave them his what? His body. They ate his body. Then he took the cup. And gave thanks. And he gave it to them. And he says, drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant. Which is shed for many. For the remission of sins. Jesus 
said that the blood or his blood was already shed. Says, but I said to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Oh, I wish I could touch on that. But I want to show you. <laughs> For this is my blood of the new covenant. So the new covenant has been ratified by the blood of Jesus. And the body of Jesus. So now, because Jesus is already given of himself, he has no body of his own. He has no blood of his own because his blood was poured into us. Thomas, put your finger here and thrust your hand here and see that it is what? Bone and flesh. Not bone, blood, and flesh. He had no blood after he resurrected. Because he had did what? He had given. So, Jesus has no body of his own. He is incapable of achieving anything without his body. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, now, don't worry, I'll come back to this later. He says, now, you are the body of Christ. Now, you are the body of Christ. Now, now, you are the body of Christ. So Christ cannot be in his fullness, him alone. Because we together are one. So God is talking to men today by his son but he is in heaven. Now you are the body of Christ, verse 27, and members individually. So you are parts of the body. Now question, is this spiritual or literal communication? The Bible tells us it is literal communication. So we are Jesus' physicality in the earth. It says we are members in, oh Lord. And then he says, verse 28, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles. Why is there a conjunction? Is there a link between you are the body of Christ and the appointment of prophets? The appointment of prophets, the appointment of teachers, 
the appointment of miracles and then gifts of healings and helps and administrations. It's because in the body, there are governmental systems or administrations of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse 20. Or 30. Remember, he says individually we are members. So he says, For we are members of his, of his, we are members of his flesh, I mean, of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. That ain't spiritual. That ain't spiritual. It's literal communication. It says you, as an individual, you are a ligament. You are a tendon of Christ's body. You are a part. You, you, are, you, you make up the structure of his body. Whether you believe it or not, whether you are living in that reality or not, because you believe in Jesus, he says, you are a member. You are a member. Once this sinks into your consciousness, you realize something. That you, as an individual, form part of the perfection of Jesus. You see, Jesus completes the Godhead. But it is us that completes Jesus. He needs us in order for him to reach fullness. God made it so that the Godhead would be incomplete without his body. The church plays a very critical role in the universal administration of Christ's authority. The role of the church is not only earthly, it's a universal role. The Bible says that it is through the church that God intends to make known the complicated, multifaceted, multidimensional wisdom of God unto the principalities. That means by design, we are those who have been ordained to school the celestials. That once we reach a stature in Christ, we will be given, in fact, not even given, we will enter into the role of teaching angels. Where Michael, Gabriel, as much as they know, and for as long as they've lived, will sit in your class and they will say, teach us about the wisdom of God. The Bible says even today, 
angels are still struggling to understand the mystery of salvation. They can't understand, even today, it's a mystery they can't understand. So that means there are certain things about God that even though angels serve him and they've been serving him more than us humans, they don't know. We don't need to live as, as long as angels to know as much as them. All we need to do is have the spirit of the ancient of days because the Holy Ghost is the angelic spirit. He was there before there was an angel. That means in each and every single believer, there is a dimension in him that pre-exists, a wisdom in him that pre-exists even the existence of angels. The Holy Ghost, the, listen, the Holy Ghost does not come into your life and bring you information of your current life from the time you were born now. No, when we talk about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, we are talking about insight into ageless future, ageless past. That means we can get into a dimension, access a place in God where we can enter into archives, enter into revelations that predate the existence of civilization, of creation in that regard. Because we have the spirit. Who do you think we have? The spirit is older than the physical body of Jesus. The Holy Ghost is not in angels. He does not indwell angels. He indwells man. And that's why for as long as we are here, for as long as we believe in Christ, we will always be the reference point of God to creation, not angels. So in you is an archive. And Jesus knows it because the Bible talks about the investment that God has in us. So God stands to inherit. We, we have God's inheritance in us. God needs us. Without us, there are certain dimensions in this world God will never inherit. So he stands to gain something. Because of who he has made us to be. See, these are things, when you reach class 8, angels themselves say, we can't teach you. Come. They bring you into the presence of the Ancient of Days. And all the Ancient of Days says, sit here, take the scroll, read. Do you know there is a world behind the throne of God. Remember, God said to Moses, I will show you my back parts. So there is another dimension of heaven behind God that is not seen or realized even by the living creatures before they, because they are before his throne. There is something behind God that even the elders, they don't know. Says we are members of his body. So we 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 in in literal terms perfect Jesus. He is a headless God without us. 
I mean, a bodiless God without us. So he can't function. Let's read. Let me read you something in Ephesians chapter 1. There's, there's a spirit of wisdom. The Bible says this is a spirit that brings you into mysteries and secrets. Mysteries of, and secrets. In the epignosis of God. That means man can know God as God knows himself. So man can develop a consciousness of God. That is in the similitude of God's consciousness. That's why in the new old covenant uh, it says who can counsel God but in the new covenant it says who can counsel him it says but we have the mind of Christ oh, that means it's a mind that knows how God thinks how God perceives that's why I told you beloved that what is being taught in many pulpits is junk it's pure junk these are not the tenets the foundations that Christ laid down for us. Some of these preachers we will be teaching in the celestials. I remember the Spirit of God said to me one day, Son, never preach your opinion. Never preach what you think. Teach my word. Keep my word unadulterated and you will see glory. Manifested in your life. No, I'm not teaching you what I think. No, this is not what I think. It's what's written. It's what's, it's what's in the book. You see, the Bible is a piece of the scroll. Uh, let's read. Ephesians 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to get you this. Good Amplified. Amplified tries here. It tries. It tries. <laughs> My gosh. You said you are ready for the next level. <laughs> you said you are ready for the next level. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. He said, this spirit of wisdom, this spirit of revelation brings you and gives you insight of mysteries and secrets. Secrets that can only be discovered through intimate knowledge of God. That means there's a dimension of intimacy. It's called epignosis. It's, it's knowledge that cannot be added on. That means you know so much that that knowledge is pleru. That, that knowledge is enough. So God is knowable in that degree. 
We have the spirit. We have his own spirit. We have his own spirit. You see, we have not yet discovered the riches of the indwelling of the spirit of God. We have the spirit. This is the spirit. The Bible says, searches the deep things of God. That means his spirit possesses knowledge that is not even readily available in the mind of God. He says the deep things. That's the spirit. He searches the deep things of God. And he says the spirit is in us. That means by the spirit, we can travel into the depth of God. He says, the eyes of your understanding, your dianoia, being enlightened, flooded with light, says that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Not the, the glory of the inheritance of the saints in God. The glory of the inheritance of God in the saints. God wants us to know it. And then he says, and what is the exceeding? Oh God. The, the, the word is Huba Balon Megatos. The exceed. So God went be, uh, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, not toward angels. Yeah. Toward us. So he wants us to know the, the, the outstretched power. The Bible tells us that God displayed or went beyond the limits. He, went, he stretched himself. He went beyond the, the, the limits of his power when he raised Jesus from the dead. That means raising Christ from the dead stretched God. He wasn't stretched in Genesis. That's why after he raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says he delivered all rule to him. He didn't want to rule anymore. He went into his uncreated dimension and waited. And he says that is the power that he wants us to know. It's called resurrection power. The power God used to raise Jesus from the dead. He says it is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that will bring us into these mysteries, these secrets. The exceeding great, the hooper below megatos. Of his Iskus Kratos. When he raised Jesus. And he says it is directed toward us. So that means that power is for us. So God displayed that power for our sake. So that we can know that we can have access to stretched power. To power that break records. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked. So God exercised this in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So Jesus is sitting right now in the heavenly places. 
You know, the message, even though I don't like it, says something so beautiful. He says, and set him in a throne deep in space. He said, that power has set Jesus. That means that power directed toward us, its, it's, it's ministry is to bring our consciousness to that dimension, the dimension of the seated Christ. The dimension of the enthroned, the glorified Christ. And he says, you don't enter there through without the spirit of wisdom. Without a spirit of revelation. Oh, the spirit of God is showing me somebody with a torn eardrum. You are healed right now. You are healed right now. In fact... Right now, if you have been having trouble with either one or both of your ears, I want you to put your, your fingers into them. Put, put it, put it. In the name of Jesus, be opened. Be opened. Be opened. It's done. Hallelujah. 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 You are watching. You broke your toe. You broke your toe. And it's been inflamed. It's still not healed right now. Because I'm seeing you right now. The swelling is still there. And it's been overdue. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. You're healed. Watch the inflammation. Watch it heal before your eyes. The pain goes. The inflammation subsides. Back to normal in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your jaw, your jaw has been making weird cracks, strange cracks, and it's paining when you do it. But now you're healed. Now you're healed. The power of God has just healed you right now. Move it. You'll see the cracks are no more. That fracture is gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, when he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might. These are things he wants you to know, remember. And dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but only in that which is to come. And listen to verse 22. And he put all things under his head, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church. So Jesus, in all things, is our head. He's our head. He's our principal. He's our chief in all things. Right? To the church, which is his body. The church, which is his body, 
the fullness of Himai Kaurakleda. The church, the body, the church which is His body, the fullness of Him. The church which is His body, the fullness, the church, the body of Jesus is the fullness of Him. The fullness of Him who, who feels all in all. So we are the pleroma of Jesus. <laughs> we are the pleroma of Christ. So there's no way he is in the presence of God in totality without us. There is no way he is the son without us. So God is speaking, is speaking in these last days through his son, who? Jesus and the church. He is the fullness, the pleroma of him who does what? Who fulfills all. So in reality, we fulfill Christ. So when Jesus came, he was incomplete. It is not good that man should be one part. So really, Jesus came to the earth to construct a body, to build a body, to find a body for himself. Because up there, he couldn't find a body. Think about it. Throughout the entire galaxies, there was no body fitted for Jesus. He had to come down and make and construct the body himself. The body that had the capability to contain the fullness of God. So we are much more than numbers. We are members individually, but the body corporately, and we fulfill Jesus. That means he cannot enjoy his, 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 his place in the presence of God without us. In the same way, Adam could not enjoy himself in the presence of God without Eve. So Jesus is fulfilled by his church as Adam is fulfilled by Eve. Okay, we can go down and you can see it in Ephesians chapter 5. See it. See it. See, it. the mystery of marriage is the mystery of Christ and the church. Nevertheless, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So this is a great mystery. And God is speaking. The exercise of God's power is through his word. So God will exercise his power in our lives through his son. Through his word. So there is no exercise of power without his word. 
Can I show you something? Why was Paul different from other apostles? Mission. Acts chapter 9. You know, we've been probably speaking for an hour right now. And it's still introduction. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to introduce a concept to you. And it's an hour later now. Let's see how far we can go tonight. Paul... I mean, Acts chapter 9, forgive me. <coughs> so he was breathing thirds and so forth. So he journeyed in verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? I thought Paul was breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. I thought Paul was persecuting Christians. But Jesus says, you are persecuting me. Oh, he, he was breathing threats, murdering Christians. And Jesus is asking a question. The first introduction, the first revelation that Paul has about Jesus is about his union, his oneness to his body. Jesus did not say, why are you persecuting my people? It was a personal thing. Yet Paul, in the natural, was doing it to his disciples. So according to Jesus, he was doing a physical thing, but it was hurting Jesus. So these physical beings that were persecuted and being murdered and being mistreated, he says Jesus was feeling it. So Paul was one of the first to go against Jesus himself. Paul challenged Jesus, but he was in heaven. So there is nothing that happens to his body physically, if you are a part of him, that he does not feel. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He says this is the one that has passed through the heavens. So he, he hears a voice. So in this light shaft, Jesus speaks and he says, why are you persecuting me? This is why the apostle Paul was different. He had a close encounter with Jesus' union to the body, to the church. Jesus is not separate from us. 
That's why it's a shame in the heavens when the church runs away at challenges, at circumstances, at persecutions. Because it is not you running away, it is Jesus. So even, even though he does not want, even though it is not his mind to go into hiding, to go and run away. No, the heavens perceive that as Jesus running. So he is running without his consent, without his will. Because we are members of his body. We are his functionaries. That means any man that does not function within the mind and will of God is rendering God disabled in his territory. You see, beloved, these are realities in the mysteries of Christ. You see, in the kingdom, you experience what you major on. Your attention is what determines your experiences. From that day, Paul was conscious that he is united in flesh to Jesus. Why? He drank his blood. He ate his flesh. You understand that? He, he drank his blood. He ate his flesh. Paul encountered the one whom he was persecuting. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting. Still, he's not saying my people. I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting. So when they were casting stones on Stephen, it was Jesus whom they were persecuting. When they killed James, it was Jesus whom they were persecuting. When they scattered the church, when the great persecution arose, it was Jesus whom they were persecuting. Jesus. Jesus. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. So the body was beating was Jesus. The body was putting into prison was Jesus. I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting. The first encounter that a man had with Jesus was that what he was doing, he was doing to him. What he was doing to his people. 
So you can see that the body and Jesus are indivisible. Can't divide them. They are one. So when God says, my son, he's not talking to Jesus. Alone. When he says, my son, he's talking to Jesus. And his body. And in that body, the Bible says he has set first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. These ministries he has set in the church. In the church. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So if God is speaking by his son and his son is Jesus and his church, that means God has a system and he works through the system of his son. So Jesus is a minister. So the apostle, the prophets, who, him, him, who he himself gives to some, he says he is a duplication of the ministry of the son. is a representative, an ambassador of the ministry of the Son. Samuel said to Saul, when he goes into the company of the prophets, he says, the Spirit will come on him and he will be changed into another man. That's what the office does, the ministry of an apostle does. You may be a man, until the, um, the apostolic ministry or the prophetic ministry comes on you. Once it comes on you, you are another man. You are no longer just a man. I am no longer just Enoch. No, but there's an added dimension to who I am. And that's why by function, by function, by title, you are a prophet. But by function, you don't always function in that office because of the weight, the pressure of that function. It will kill you if you stay there long enough. That's why prophets like Elijah, they were, they were not under that functionary, under that office all the time. That's why sometimes it was not there and it needed to be activated and he stepped into his office. Because if he remained under the anointing, probably his body would crush. Because that ministry is intelligence by itself. When it comes, it comes with all the resources that are compacted into it. 
The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So that means that gift can function in a man, even when a man doesn't want. Even when a man did not intend to operate it. But because it is bestowed on him, there are certain demands that are placed by creation, that are placed by the creatures, the people, that can activate and, and stare that operation. Peter did not intend to raise Dorcas from the dead. <laughs> he did not intend it. But he was stared as he heard the testimony of this woman. So what happened? The gift was activated. So in, in, in the ministry gifts that Christ gives, we, we also must understand that the man, the man is not the one that controls the gift. In the same way, we don't control the gifts of the Spirit. They are controlled by the Holy Spirit. The gifts of Christ are controlled by Christ. So what activates the operation of a gift is none other than faith. So the demand of the time or the demand of the occasion determine. You see, if a man operates or functions in three offices, maybe the office of an apostle, a, 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 a pastor, or a prophet, he's not always in those dimensions all the time. So he may be functioning in one. Sometimes he functions in the one most which he prefers. And the danger is that when you major or focus on one uh, preference, you are locking out Jesus in other areas of that ministry. Because he gave you that ministry to distribute, to demonstrate and duplicate himself throughout these three offices. So sometimes what happens is that because of a man's preference, he remains and does not develop in a gift. But, but something happens when he's in a meeting or when he's in a place where the occasion demands that the prophetic is activated. What happens is that because of the demand, not because of the operation of, of him operating that gift, the gift is dead. All of a sudden, the spirit of a prophet comes upon him and he begins to see and he begins to speak as the Lord reveals to him. What activated it? was the demand. Samuel said to Saul, he says, do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. So, in as much as the gift is present, the gift also operates through various operations of activation. And it is given the same purpose and the sufficient resources to achieve its objective. And we said that one of the objectives of the ministry gifts is the equipping, the catatismos of the saints, the perfecting of the saints, which comes through the process of catatizo, amending, repairing, correction of that which needs to be repaired, and catatis, which is the instruction of the soul or the strengthening of the soul through instruction. That is the main, the first purpose, primary purpose of the ministry gift. To perfect the saints for the work of the ministry.
And then he says, for the edifying. So the body of Christ cannot be edified. Edified is not to make you feel good. Edify is the Greek word oikodomeo. It means to build a structure. It is an edifice. It is a structure. So he says that the ministry gifts are placed in the church to build the body of Christ. So we are builders. We are builder men of the body of Christ. That's why these ministry gifts are essential because without the ministry gifts, the body of Christ cannot be effectively built. When the Lord builds Zion, he shall appear in his glory. So the glory of God only comes in a finished, completed construction. It was not until the temple of Solomon was finished that the glory descended. It was not until the tabernacle was fully constructed that the glory, the cloud descended. So the cloud, the glory of God, does not manifest where the building is not finished. So there will be no glory in a part of the church or the body of Christ where there is no building going on and the building is done by a ministry gift. So the first ingredient in the glory manifestation, in the glory demonstration of God is that there must be a ministry gift. So the body of Christ cannot be built. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you, oikodomeo you. The body, the body, the body is built by the ministry gifts of Christ. And I said to you, it's not just the name of the person. No, it is the intelligence of a ministry. It is Christ duplicated. Christ manifested in the apostleship. Christ manifested in the prophetic. Christ manifested in the evangelistic. Christ manifested in the, in the pastor, in the, in the pastoral. Christ manifested in the teaching. It's not about eloquence and deepness here. I told you, it's not the speech. That makes the difference is the spiritual demonstration. If I can speak and demonstrate the spirit, that is what builds faith. That is what builds and constructs the body of Christ. Not the junk of people dancing and no, 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 no. Those people have corrupted priesthoods. They are presenting strange fires to the Lord. Is because they are deviating from what? The parameters of the structure. Today you find comedians in churches. Comedians delegating, working on the altar of God. As though God has called us to, to make people laugh. That's not the business of a church. No, you've got comedian halls for that particular purpose. You find churches that major on praise and worship more than any other thing. They worship two hours and preach some weak, lousy, crappy, junk message for 20 minutes. And they say the glory of God was there. You are lying. That was not glory. That was sensationalism, emotionalism. 
Because if you want glory, listen, it takes time to build a temple. Construction takes time. Ministries that were lost in the, in the end times are ministries that understand the prescriptions, the patterns, the order of the priesthood in the New Testament. Today, you have the ministry of helps taking over the ministry gifts. A church will pay a singer 10 times more than they would pray or pay an invited minister. Because no, she's a celebrity. He's a celebrity singer. He is known. Singers don't bring glory. It is building. It is ministry gifts. These are ministry of helps. That's why the church of Jesus Christ is in a mess. And it's not what you teach in Bible school that will build people. It says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The ministry gifts have a duty, unless you are a fake one, unless you are a phony. That's why we have a lot of title holders in the body of Christ. But very few power producers. Talk, 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 talk. Make people feel good. Make people jump. No, hell no. The spirit makes himself known through his manifestations. You find a pastor, he does not exude even one ministry gift. He can't exercise one, whether it's the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, the gifts of faith, the gifts. No, the only one he can manifest is tongues, which he can't even interpret. It's because maturity is not determined by the title. You can be a child preacher. And this is what we have in the body of Christ today. And how do we expect sons to be raised? Sons that creation is groaning for. When you can't even handle two hours of teaching. Sometimes I can't even blame you because some of the teaching is junk. It's based on opinion. Psychology and not the word of God. But he says for the building. And I told you, this building can't be built without wealth. It says my cities shall spread abroad through prosperity. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 9. My city shall sp spread abroad. Through prosperity. Remember, 
is the temple of glory. Solomon's temple was built with wealth. Moses' tabernacle was built with wealth. Zechariah's temple was built with wealth. Herod's temple was built with wealth. What do you think this temple will be built with? So, we have already established the importance of ministry gifts. They are essential. Beloved, they, we are essential. We are important. And in these next two days, I want to show you, I want to take time to show you why there's, there's a, a lack of power transmission. Concentrated power in the body of Christ is because there's no regard for the ministry gifts. When you have a power cut, you don't go to ESCOM. You don't march and go to ESCOM headquarters and say, we have no power, we have no power. Because ESCOM has, has, has subsystems that administrates the delivery of power to where you live. So first you check a danger box. If there's a problem there, you go to the municipality. You don't go to ESCO. Let's read Ephesians 4. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 There are configurations, recalibration that is taking place as I'm talking to you now. See, the apostle says we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry, the ministry of the word. So the word has a ministry. So, so if a minister is preaching the word, so there's a ministry that he's doing by expressing the word, but the word is expressing also has a ministry once it reaches you. So as I'm talking like this, the word that's been released is carrying out a ministry, a service in you. God made some of us millionaires overnight. And it was just a sign because God is going to do that at a large scale where not one or two, but an entire people will come into a grace of wealth where suddenly, <laughs> God said to me in, 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 in one of my, my devotions with him, in fact, it was, it was at a meeting. Uh, a few a few weeks, a few months ago, the Spirit of God said to me, in fact, I, He didn't say it, I experienced something first, and then the Spirit of God confirmed it later. He said, I've given you the mantle of prosperity and wealth. Go as an apostle of wealth. So one of my, my, my assignments to the body of Christ is to make men wealthy. 
is to make men rich. And I have learned in my life not to argue with God too much. When he said that, I said I embrace it. I receive it. I'm an apostle of wealth. And I'm an apostle of prosperity. And I come to deliver that same message to you. That same mantle to you. That one of the side effects of this captivity is a release of grace for wealth for prosperity, for abundance. You will prosper. Even when everything is cascading, you will prosper. No, when they say, when they say there's a going down, you shall say there's a lifting up. Your portion this year is prosperity, beloved. is prosperity, is wealth. No, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm a glory preacher. That's what I am. The Bible calls kabod, wealth, riches. That's the kind of preacher I am. As a minister, servant of God, I am. Throughout the generations, there have been men God has raised for particular assignments, for particular purposes. But I'm called to make man rich. Rich toward God. Rich for the bringing in of glory. It is he that gives you power to make wealth. God has made us distributors of that grace, of that power, of that ability. Paul said, being poor, making many rich, it's a grace. And it does not depend on my state in life, no, but the deposit of grace. That grace can lift you up. The Bible says that God lifts the poor from the dung hill and sets him on the path and among princes. That he might inherit the throne of glory, the throne of wealth, the throne of wealth, the throne of wealth, the inheritance of the saints, the throne of glory. Bible says Abraham was blessed in all things. At the beginning stages, he was blessed very much with gold and all those. But at the end, the Bible says he was blessed in all things. We are coming into that dimension where, where we will be blessed. We will be walking in the blessing of all things. Nothing lacking. Nothing missing. Just fool. Just fool. Just, just fool. And that is the responsibility of the ministry gifts to build a body. When God got ready, when God said, let them build me a sanctuary, he first told them, let them, let them bring their gold. Let them bring their wealth. Because no sanctuary of God is built without wealth. Hallelujah. He says, for the building, 
for the build for the build for the build the edifying of the body of Christ Paul says I'm a master builder God is building you, beloved. Oh, he's building you. For his glory. For his habitation. The Spirit of God led me a few years ago to write this book. Poverty, Wealth, and Prosperity. And when I wrote it, he said to me, in fact, I was very reluctant to write it. But then when I wrote it, he said to me, if you will be obedient, I will use this book as a sword against the spirit of poverty. I will cut and severe my children from the spirit of poverty. So I have written this book because the Spirit instructed me. It's a sword. It's a sword. The dreams of Solomon come after you read this book. The dreams of Joseph come after you read this book. Because it is breathed by the Spirit. It is an instrument in the ministry gift to build, to build the body of Christ. To build. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I need clearondre stave regila to grata stila. I said more light will be coming to you. Beyond what I have said, more light will be coming to you. Beyond what you have heard, the Spirit of God will increase light. Light is coming to you in abundance, in abundance. Ah, oh, precious Holy Ghost, we thank you. Thank you, Father. I'll release this tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Well, we've kicked off the week, day 10, on a high note. Praise the Lord. That means we can only go higher from here. We can only go higher from here. So let's meet tomorrow, day 11, 6 p.m. sharp. God bless you. I love you. See you tomorrow. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. Oh, you can switch on that thing, bro.
Yeah, I think that thing you should have just left it straight. Left. Yeah, because that came from there. But other than that, great boys, great, 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 great. Good, 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 good.